better. Um, I want to welcome everyone to Parkway Hills United Methodist Church. Um, we are an inclusive and mission-minded congregation committed to be a place for everyone as we welcome, grow, serve, and celebrate together. And we're so glad that you all have joined us for this second Sunday of Advent. Um, our ushers are going to be passing out our registration of attendance pads. If you could fill those out and pass them along um, so we can know who all is here, um, check in with you. Um, and if you're a visitor, we would love to make a connection with you. So leave us your info and we'll be in contact, um, contact with you. A few brief announcements. First, on the back of the bulletin, you will find a list of all of our dates for Advent and Christmas opportunities at the church, some kids' events, some church-wide fellowship events, and of course, our Christmas Eve service from 4 to 6. So those are back there. Please take time to read through those. Immediately after service today, um, if you feel so led, you can walk across the way and join us in the new Education Youth Suite Kitchen. We will have a very brief blessing of that space, but it's a good time to see it um, before it gets dirty and you, you know, it loses its shininess. So it's really shiny right now. Um, so we invite you to join us immediately find the service. We'll walk over and do a blessing of that space. There's some meetings today. Leadership team will meet to approve the budget and a couple other items, and SPRC will also meet, but those are in your bulletin as well. And last thing, I told you last week, but I want to remind you, um, if you are following along in the Shadow and Light devotional book, or even if you aren't, there is a playlist on Spotify that you can use that goes along with um, the music that she lists in the book. And I'll say my kids will not agree with this. But if you are looking for something other than the normal Christmas songs, you can spatter those in as well, because I do. Um, but this Advent playlist that's on Spotify for this book um, has been a gift to me the past few days. Just a reminder of the season, a way to center. There's some well-known hymns in there, some other songs you may not know. Uh, but I invite you to check that out. Um, it's a great way to kind of enter the season. Um, while all the Christmas songs are playing on the radio, um, but different, kind of a different way to experience the season. So if you, if you want more info about that, come and see me. As always, I hope you take time to read through our bulletin, see all that is going on within the life of the church and how you may be involved. But now, let us prepare our hearts and our minds to worship God this day.
Please join me in our call to worship found in your bulletin. It's a responsive reading and your response is printed in the bowl. Please stand as we join together the reading of our call to worship. John came out of the wilderness to preach repentance. He preaches to us still. Make straight the paths we now walk and prepare the way for God's reign of justice and love. Please take your hymnal and join as we sing hymn number 211. We'll sing the first four verses and then on the second page, verse six. So one through four and then verse six of hymn number 211, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Christmas tide, 
as you participate in communion with the global church in awareness of your desperate need for light. The colorful strings of lights ask us to celebrate too soon before we are ready. Advent is a gift that invites us to slow down and understand why we celebrate. This crawl to Christmas tide sets the table before us. The upcoming feast day waits for us with a bounty we will enjoy soon enough. Say yes to the party invitation. Bake the cookies and send them to the school for the fundraiser. Order the holiday gifts on your list, but continue to light that dim candle in the dark and remember that the time is coming soon enough for full revelry. which is found in your bulletin. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise the Lord in the heights. Praise the Lord, all his angels. Praise the Lord, all his hosts. Praise the Lord, sun and moon. Praise the Lord, all you shining stars. Praise the Lord, you highest heavens, and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. Kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth. Young men and women alike, old and young together. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. This time I'd like to invite our children forward for our children's moment. Sunday of Advent, and we're looking for somebody. Somebody is coming. Who's coming? Who do you think? Jesus. Well, he is probably to your house, maybe not to mine. <laughs> who, who, who are we looking for? Jesus. And um, somebody told Mary what to call Jesus. Did you have that lesson last week, maybe in Sunday school? He, yeah, he was a baby. And so an angel came and told Mary, you're going to call him Jesus. Who, who decided what your name was going to be? Do you, know, do you know the story of your name, how you got it? Yeah, your mom, your dad. What, who chose your name? Do you know what your name means? Anybody? Have you, have you ever heard about that? What? Okay, that's, that's an interesting name. for <laughs> My name means God is gracious. And my mother had been told that she couldn't have a baby, and when she found out she was going to have me, she decided God is gracious would be the name to call me. So Janice means God is gracious. And today I'm going to tell you about somebody else that, whose name also means God is gracious. Now a long time ago, there were... A couple of people, Zachariah and Elizabeth, and they were pretty old and they didn't have any children. They thought they would never have any children. Zachariah went to the temple and it was his turn, and my Bible said it was his once-in-a-lifetime turn to go inside the special place and burn incense. And while he was in there, he looked up and he was so surprised there was an angel there. And the angel said, Zachariah, your wife is going to have a baby, and his name is going to be John. Zachariah said, how am I supposed to believe that? I'm old. She's old. How could we have a baby? The angel was not pleased with that. He said, 
Zechariah, because you didn't believe, you're not going to talk at all until this baby is born. So Zechariah's turn at the temple was over, and he went back home, and he, told, he, he wanted to tell Elizabeth, but he couldn't talk. So what do you think he did? He did. He wrote it down on a clay tablet. And do you think Elizabeth was surprised? Yeah. Oh, she was. <laughs> she was very surprised. And so later, so John couldn't talk all this. I mean, Zechariah couldn't talk. He couldn't talk at all. And then when the baby was born and it was time to name the baby and all the people that knew them came over and they were so surprised these old people had a baby. And they said, well, I guess you're going to name him Zachariah after his dad. And Mary, um, Elizabeth said, no, his, his name is John. And they were, what? Come on, Zachariah, you, you know you're going to name your baby after you. And he wrote on a clay tablet, his name is John. And at that time, he started talking, and he told the whole story. Wasn't that a wonderful story? God is gracious, and he named, and Zachariah's, son's name, John, means God is gracious. Each one of us has a special name that somebody chose for us. Each one of us is a special person with God's gifts to, to share. And let's go today, as we listen, we're going to hear, hear some more about John. His, he's later called John the Baptist. And uh, I don't, I'm not sure exactly what we're going to find out about John the Baptist, but if you listen, you'll find out. Uh, maybe Pastor Don will tell us a little bit more about how John grew up and what happened to him. Let's, let's have a prayer and then you can go. I don't, are some people going upstairs and some people are going? Everybody's staying in here. Okay. Not, I'm not in tune. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much for being here. Let's, let's pray. Okay. Dear God, thank you for our families. Thank you for giving us time to study your word. Be with us as we go today and be the people you want us to be. Be with us as we go today and be the people you want us to be. Amen. Thank you.
joy um, to have our choir back. Um, so thanks all of you um, for aiding um, us with our worship today. So I have a couple of scripture verses I'm going to share today. One, um, Janice set up perfectly with children's moment on the story of Elizabeth and Zachariah and how Zachariah was made mute when he didn't believe um, what the angel promised. And then when he could speak again, we have recorded what his words were found in Luke 1, 68 through 79. And then I'm going to move from that to Luke 3, which is the beginning of John the Baptist ministry. But as we prepare to hear God's word this day, let us pray. Eternal God, in the reading of the scripture, may your word be heard. In the meditations of our hearts, may your word be known. And in the faithfulness of our lives, may your word be shown. Amen. So Luke 1, verses 68 through 79 first. Again, the words we hear after Zechariah is once again able to speak. Then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke this prophecy. Blessed be the Lord, God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Thus he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors, and he has remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham, to grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. So the prophecy is John the Baptist, the baby, coming into the world and then skipping over to John, to Luke chapter 3, as John begins his public ministry. In the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip, ruler of the region of Ituria and Trachontus, and Lycerinus, ruler of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked shall be made straight and the rough ways made smooth. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So Monday, um, Monday I was desperately trying to get like a rough draft. I'm going to have to take this off. It's flying around. A rough draft uh, of the bulletin to send to the staff. And I was really struggling with a rough draft for the bulletin because I was struggling with um, putting together a single thought about what to preach today where to go, what to name. So kind of in desperation, I shouted this from my office, like I can't begin a bulletin because I don't know what to preach on. And I think Jeff replied, um, you're good, it's Monday, but then Linda shouted out, sin. <laughs> and we all kind of laughed. But you know, as I started reading scripture, she was really onto something. Um, if when churches follow the lectionary cycle, this three-year cycle laid out for churches to use, um, scripture readings for the churches to use, I follow it some, but if you follow the lectionary cycle, the second Sunday of Advent always has John the Baptist as the focus. 
All four gospel accounts name the work of John the Baptist. Mark, the first gospel we believe to have been written, well, it begins, the opening sentences are the proclamation of John the Baptist. Matthew also contains the story of the works of John the Baptist before Jesus begins his earthly ministry. Luke adds to the story of John the Baptist by giving us the account of Elizabeth and Zechariah and John the Baptist's birth. And the Gospel of John kind of gives us um, some of John the Baptist's voice. This is the testimony given by John, it says. And John the Baptist is an interesting figure, right? And um, when you're a kid and you hear his story, I think you get this picture of him. Um, the loner in the wilderness, dressed in camel's hair and eating locusts and wild honey. He has a daunting task, a high calling. He is the one to prepare the way for the Lord. And you, child, his father prophesies, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation for his people by the forgiveness of their sins. The purpose of John's prophetic calling is not only to prepare the way for the Lord, but to prepare the people to receive the Lord through repentance for the forgiveness of sin. The theme this coming week in our Shadow and Light devotional is preparation. The author reminds us that the Advent season comes around every year as a time for us to prepare. She says, what a gift. What a gift it is to take all the time we need to prepare inwardly for the arrival of Christ. Now, we have those preparations we like to do. Um, or maybe we don't like to do them, but culture tells us to. Um, decorate the tree, hang the lights, watch the Christmas movies, listen to the songs, buy the presents, bake the cookies. But I kept leaning in to that verse this week around the calling of John the Baptist. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins. What does it mean for us to be a people prepared for the Lord? According to scripture, part of that work lies in repentance for the forgiveness of sin. Barbara Brown Taylor has this book, Speaking of Sin, The Lost Language of Salvation. And I read it five or more years ago. It's been a while. Um, but I went and pulled it back off myself as I was thinking about what Linda shouted at me in the office. And there's a whole sermon series that could be done with this book. And it's, it's a really good read. If you're, if you're looking to read about sin, it's a good one. But what stuck out to me for today, for this season of preparation, was this. Taylor says, the choice to remain in wrecked relationship with God and other human beings is called sin. The choice to enter into the process of repair is called repentance. She says, sin is our only hope because the recognition that something is wrong is the first step towards setting it right. There's no help for those who admit no need of help. There's no repair for those who insist that nothing is broken. And there's no hope for transformation for a world whose inhabitants accept it is sadly and irreversibly wrecked. John went into all the region around the Jordan proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. You know that line that Taylor says, sin is our only hope because the recognition 
that something is wrong is the first step towards setting it right again. That I can lean into, but there's something sad about the other part she names with that. That there's no hope of transformation for a world whose inhabitants accept that it is sadly but irreversibly wrecked. That's a sad line. But I get it sometimes. This wreckage scenario, um, it's a tempting one to accept, right? I mean, especially now when it seems that we are divided on every issue and it has all been relegated to sides and each side is right or wrong depending on how you look at it. It's exhausting and it's overwhelming. And sometimes we even get to a place where we wonder, how do we even get heard since our starting places aren't even remotely the same. It's hard to remember that yes, one person's voice, action, can still matter. But you know, we do. We do have those people throughout history that remind us that individual actions matter. They make a difference. Taylor points some of them out. She says, you know, every now and then, someone does something truly heroic to help put things right. A Desmond Tutu dreams up a truth-telling project to begin setting the broken bones of his nation. Or a Mother Teresa takes the dying outcast of Calcutta into her arms and bathes them as if they were Christ themselves. But then she says this. Not many of us see ourselves in their class. Where do people find the time to be heroic? It's almost, most, it's the most any of us can do to keep the house clean and pay the bills, right? Like I feel this in my bones. My Instagram feed one day had this article about how important it is to deep clean your dishwasher and your washing machine with a link to the steps to properly do this. No, I did not read the article. <laughs> but I did tweet, who are these people that have time to deep clean their washing machine and their dishwasher? I feel accomplished um, when I get the clothes washed and the kids are fed and clean. You know, the dishes are hit or miss, the bathrooms and the floors, they happen when they happen. My dishwasher and washing machine, they are way down on the list if they're even on the list. But this is kind of how I felt skimming through Taylor's book on sin. I understand when people get to a place where they say, yep, I'm just giving in to the wreckage. There is bad out there. There will always be bad out there. I can't deep clean everything. But then I came across this line that apparently I had underlined and starred and put lots of stuff around the first time I read the book. It said, hope begins with some acceptance of your responsibility for the way things are. What does it mean for us to be a people prepared for the Lord? Well, according to scripture, part of that work lies in repentance for the forgiveness of sins, acceptance of our responsibility for the way things are. Advent, this season of hope, of expectancy, of naming the brokenness. Well, it begins every year with John the Baptist saying, prepare. Be a people prepared for the Lord through repentance of the forgiveness of sin. This is Advent. We prepare, as I said last week, by beginning in the dark. Naming the brokenness, crying out to God to redeem and restore, we assume the responsibility for the parts that we each play within it, and we move closer and closer. We light one candle, then another, then another, getting closer to that day that reminds us all is not lost because God has been birthed 
into the brokenness. We don't need to fear the brokenness within ourselves or within our world because what we say as church is that the birth of Christ changes everything. But we don't get to jump to the nativity. First, we sit in the darkness. We listen well. We pray. We repent. We light candles. We wait. And as we wait, we prepare. And in this way, we become a people prepared for the Lord. A young monk said to the great ascetic abbot Theosis, Abba, what should I do? I fell. The elder said, get up. The monk said, I got up and I fell again. The elder replied, get up again. But the young monks asked, for how long should I get up when I fall? Until your death answered Abba Theosis. Why do we have a Christian calendar that kind of takes us on this hamster wheel moving through the story of Christ year after year, season after season? Because we fall. Over and over again, we fall. And the story of Christ tells us to get up. Thanks be to God. Amen. Today we get to celebrate at the table. And as a United Methodist Church, we practice an open table, which means all um, who seek God are welcome to come forward and receive. And there's a reason that United Methodist Churches do this. For John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, he believed that this very act, coming to receive communion, coming to receive uh, grace, that this could be, I'm about to use two very big church words, this could be a converting ordinance. You know what I'm talking about? You need me to say more? <laughs> that in this act, this very act could be what brings you to understand God's love and to accept Christ into your heart. So yes, we have an open table, um, fitting to remember this day, um, as we do speak of sin, um, the responsibility that we all share, but that there is hope in that. So I invite you um, to turn to the confession in your bulletin. We will say these words together as we prepare to come to table. Refining God, you have sent us prophets and we have not listened. We have not always determined what is best or made way for your reign in our lives, our church, and our society. Forgive us, we pray, and renew your covenant within us. For the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ. We are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. So we still will not stand and pass the peace of Christ. I'm, I, one day we will. Still a little leery of that because apparently flu is now making the rounds. Um, but I do invite you, turn to your neighbor, wave, and just offer and say, peace of Christ be with you. communion liturgy is a sung liturgy and you'll you will find the responses in your bulletin and it's been a while it's been a long while since we have done this um so i i'm a little nervous myself about how this is gonna work um but i think we will get through it uh, but you'll find the responses in your bulletin uh, but let's begin mm -hmm. 
Blessed are you, God of all creation, source of all mercies, fount of love beyond all measure. It's fitting and right to give you thanks and praise and to adore you with grateful hearts and voices. For wondrously, you have created heaven and earth, hovering in gracious care over all that you have made. You formed us as your image of love in the world. Yet even more wondrously, when we distorted your image, you called us back again and again, forgiving us, delivering us from captivity to sin and death, feeding, healing, reconciling, making covenant, and setting before us the way which leads to life. Therefore, with your people in all ages, in communion with the saints, and with the whole company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. God who hears our prayers. Transform us to the image and likeness of Christ that we may faithfully serve others in his name and look forward to the final feast in which all shall be gathered as one at your table and all manner of things shall be well. 
through Christ, with Christ, and in Christ, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory and blessing is yours, Almighty God, now and forever. together as we lift the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. This time I'd like to invite those who will be assisting, um, serving communion today, to come forward. And uh, if you're helping serve, please bring your mask with you. My mic is inside my mouth. As I said, um, in the United Methodist tradition, we have an open table where all who seek God are welcome to come forward. The ushers will direct you, but the outside will come first, and you'll be dismissed on the outside row in return. Once the outside is done, we'll move to the middle, and the same thing, you're going to come out this way, and you'll return that way. There's some bowls here where you can place the cups once you are finished. The altar rail is open if you feel the need to spend some time in the presence of God. Um, if you're a little leery of partaking, we do have some individual cups on the altar table. And I invite you, if that's where you feel more comfortable, make your way up there and grab you a little prepackaged communion um, and partake of that. But now I invite you forward. All has been made ready.
Let us pray. God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. May we indeed go forth as a people of hope, ready to um, prepare to receive the Christ child, ready to open ourselves up to your moving in this place. Amen. So if you're um, one of those who may be leaving, kind of holding that question, like how do we be a people prepared for the Lord? Um, The closing hymn was kind of picked out with me holding that question. And sometimes it is as simple as um, offering the invitation for God to be present, for the Holy Spirit to move in your life and in your world. So Breathe on Me, Breath of God is a hymn of invitation, asking God's presence to be with you and for you. And in that way, we prepare. I will remind you that during the closing hymn, if you have offerings and gifts and tithes to give, there's a basket in the back. Um, There are two uh, offering plates up here you can give during the closing hymn or on your way out as you leave after the service is ended. Um, But I invite you to stand as we sing together 420, Breathe on Me, Breath of God. Education Building Kitchen, so you're invited to join us for a brief blessing of that space. Um, But now, receive this benediction. Let us indeed go forth as a people of hope, a people prepared for the Lord. Amen. Amen.